Shamrock, my ass. This is Andre Iskana, and you listen to Bay of Black Water. You're gonna need a bigger boat. We have such sights to show you. You don't know what that is. to the Graveyard Shit Podcast. Uh, back tonight with uh, me and Rob, we're uh, talking about the horror show and Shocker. Going to be an interesting time. So, yeah, so what's up with you, man? Oh, man, just, uh, you know, same old, same old. Um, <laughs> enjoying this little bit of a nostalgia trip, though, with the... Uh, uh, with the horror show especially. Um, oh, yeah. It'd be interesting. Uh, it's going to be interesting to take a look, because this will be a little bit different, right? Not like a complete run through both movies, but just l- sort of bounce back and forth. And Yeah, well, I mean, let, let's be honest. They're essentially the same film. There's some slight differences, but, you know, for the most part... <laughs> we'll, we'll, well, yeah, well, we'll we'll see. It, it's it, it's interesting. Um I do expect a lot from you, though, uh, in terms of the soundtrack from uh, We Get Into Shocker. Oh, Shocker's soundtrack is phenomenal. Gosh. Um, yeah, oh, I can't. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I already start to feel the vibe. We're starting to wake up here a little bit. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, now, just um, getting ready for this, I guess, and um, kind of re-delving into um, – uh, these uh, these two films, and uh, unfortunately, I think I'm gonna miss minus one. Though we were supposed to see it Friday night, but um, uh, James, uh, James, my um, twelve year old's got he had 103. Ooh, yeah, he just he got really, really pretty, pretty bad. That carried right over into the first part of part of today, and I think about 
I don't know, about 11 or 12 started to come down and now he's finally under the hundred and, but it was like, gosh, darn it. So I don't know, probably won't get to see the, um, um, I, I love the poster though. Minus one. Minus. Yeah. Um, I hope he does. And you're going to see it. You said you're going to see it. I'm going to go see it on Thursday. Yeah. Um, I'm so looking forward to it. I mean, I, you know, We've seen the one in color. I'm looking forward to the one in black and white even more. Because, I mean, there's I've said before, there's something about black and white that just makes a movie more, if that makes sense. Oh, we've been down this trip a few times, haven't we? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know. You know. Yeah, that's, it's something we've been doing for a while, you know. I, I like to think that we we brought about a renaissance of black and white film. At least that's what I tell myself. Oh. <laughs> you know, you know, we were at least part Bond, of the, you know, all them like, no, you know, it was us. <laughs> we were at least part of the the uh, awakening, the, the reawakening or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, only if uh, Darabont and Miller could have had uh, re-release, re-reissues of their films. Um, yeah, instead of that. just being forced onto DVD and Blu-ray sort of thing. I mean... Well, then Miller got freaking screwed on the initial release. He was promised he would get it on the yeah. initial release, and we had to wait a freaking year before we got that black and white cut. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, the only thing I can say for that is... That year probably let him, you know, go in and work a bit more on it, you know, to get it just the way he wanted it. You've, um, you've at least I, li- I like to think that, you know. You've heard the story of uh, what first uh, triggered him on uh, seeing his uh, Mad Max in black and white. Uh, no. What is it? He, um, back when he was, um, when he had uh, filmed the Road Warrior, oh yeah, and I can't remember who the composer was who was putting the score down for the film, but apparently when they, generally speaking, when they put the score down, they're usually watching um, the film um, in black and white. Mm-hmm. I don't know how normal or regular that is, but in this case, um, Miller just kind of walked into the session. Uh, as the composer was at work and, uh, and just stood there and just could not believe how, you know, I, I guess he was just done by what he saw on the screen and thought, why didn't I do this in black and white? That's what I should have done. And yeah. so I guess it was always in the back of his mind. And so when Fury Road came along, um, that was, uh, his in- initially, I guess he wanted to, put it out in black and white, but you know, the studio wasn't going to have that. So I just, I just found something kind of interesting. I just had a look here. I should have known this cause I actually own it on vinyl, but, uh, the music was composed and conducted by Brian May. From ah. Queen. Oh yeah. So that kind of says something right there. Huh? Yeah. That's so, um, I should have known that. I have the vinyl. <laughs> so, so far, reissues on black and white, uh, we've had The Mist, we've had Fury Road, we've had Logan. Yeah. Um, there, uh, 
if you get the Criterion version of Parasite, it's black um, in black and white on there. Really? Yeah, apparently. Oh, uh, in, oh, oh the, the new Criterion. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was. Yeah. I had. I suddenly just had visions of that eighties one. Sighted three D in black and white. <laughs> that would be that would be funny. That would be really God, funny. Did I freaking miss that one. <laughs> oh, God, man. I was just about to scour the world of animals. That 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 would be interesting to say the least. Yeah, yeah but uh, yeah, parasite. Um, one of the one of the most interesting uses usages of it was um. Uh, uh, Lady Vengeance, the you know the third part of um the Vengeance trilogy, you know, old boy sympathy for Mister Vengeance, all that. Essentially, what they did there, they had it where the entire, from what I remember, the entire movie was in color and then faded to black and white as the as the movie went on. Until right at the end, it was purely in black and white, or it was vice versa. It was black and white, and then it faded into color at the end. I can't remember which one it was, but it was a unique choice. You know? Um, they also did something similar in um, American Guinea Pig Bloodshock, where that movie was actually filmed all in color, but... When they released it, they stripped all the color out except for one little scene at the end, and that scene hits you like hits you like a dump truck because it it's been in black and white the whole time. Then you get this bright, you know, let's put it this way: white room, a lot of blood, and um, all in color when everything else has been black and white. Huh. It hit. It hits, and it hits well. It's it's a, that's a damn good movie. <laughs> Interesting. Um. Yeah. So, boy, one can only dream of what this physical media release for minus one is going to look like. Oh man, I'm so looking forward to it. I mean, let me put it this way: I'm tempted to pick up the the Japanese Blu-ray. Even though there won't be any subtitles on it. Okay, when when that when that drops, mm-hmm. you need to link me, man, with with a where I need to order order from at least look at it and see. Yeah, definitely. So, because this thing is a right, okay, hundred million international. Yep. Fifty just the U domestic here in U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, now you got a reissue for a week in black and white. Mm-hmm. And it, it it just see and now of course you already got talks of a the potential sequel. Oh yeah, it just seems like this is the, you know that this is the best position they have been in in probably a very long time. Oh to yeah, sink some money into a beautiful release for for physical media. Definitely. Well, I mean that's one thing with Japan. You know they are very much um, physical media. You know, every, everything gets a physical release in Japan. You know, they're not big on the streaming thing. And uh, Toho in particular seem to be very much, I, I don't want to say anti-streaming, but they don't go out of their way to allow 
things allow streaming. You know what I mean? Okay, so this is a question. Question then. I'm, I was just curious because I know I, I I've got friends that you know um, have been asking me when do you think it's gonna you know if and will it ever hit this, our streaming? Do you think it will? I, I think it, it kind of has to, but I think how can I put it? I think we'll probably just get like the color version streaming. I think the black and white version will, will be on 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 the disc on on the discs, but I don't think that will be streaming. You know what Toho ought to do? What? Physical media first. Anyone who wants to see it streaming has to wait six months. I'd have no problem with that. <laughs> no just problem at all. Trend. Yeah. I mean, yeah. My my only problem with you know the Toho. Um, I guess business idea is like all of their Japanese Blu-rays, 4Ks, DVDs, you know, they don't have subtitles. So it's just in Japanese, but you know, there's certain things I will make an exception for. Sure. You know, I will buy, you know, Godzilla minus one on you know, on 4K or whatever, with no subtitles, and just just for the sheer look, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. But I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping we get like a a subtitled version pretty quickly. I mean, for Shin, we got it pretty quickly. Yeah, it was pretty quick. I mean, actually, I, I got mine from uh, uh, Hong Kong. I bought the Hong Kong version because it had subtitles on it, and honestly, the subs were perfectly fine. They were just the exact same as ones that I saw in the theater. So, so you got to see Shin in the in the theater? I saw Shin in the theater. Yeah, it it, it was a blast. It was. Let me, let me just put it this way. Um. It was kind of funny because I got to the the cinema, and I get out, and there, you know, there's always a lot of people around, but you knew exactly who was going to see Shen. Giant mass of like Asian people just showed up, and I I don't think a single one of them went to anything else. That's funny. I'm sat there, and it's like you know, all these Asian people are. I mean, like, well, they know good cinema. Man, um, yeah, I don't recall it being anywhere around me because, uh, like I said to you earlier, um, Derek had reached out and was like, hey, are you going to go see it? And I'm just like, uh, it's nowhere near me. And then it just seemed like, I, I know it wasn't, but it seemed like almost the next day I was at Walmart and there it was on the shelf. I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the thing, you know, you can't, you can't go wrong with a quick physical release, especially for, Something that's basically, I don't want to say like a a niche market, but I guess it kind of is. Yeah, Godzilla is a huge thing, and there's lots of fans around the world and everything, but it is a niche market. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that means we'll get a release sooner rather than later. Wow. Can but hope, right? Yeah. Speaking of physical media, uh, I was telling you earlier, 
cannot wait. I'm finally Jason X coming to me in the mail. I get it tomorrow. <laughs> nice. That, that movie's so fun. I could just see the eyes are rolling, looking up, and this heavy size right now for anyone listening. But yeah, I've, I've, that movie—I don't know—I've always had a soft spot in my heart for that one. I don't, and it's how, a blast. How it is that I don't have it, and I don't know how I've never had it. I think it's because I just settled on that uh, cheap um, Walmart uh, franchise. You know, the, yeah, uh, first eight films, and yeah, essentially the Paramount box set. <laughs> Yeah, and um, you know, so I've always been without, you know, and funny Jason or um, what was it? J- uh, James James Isaac, who directed the horror show, directed Jason X. So that was kind of a surprise to me. That, that's kind of cool. I mean, it, it it really is. Like sometimes when you see something and like you realize after the fact, you're like, wait a minute, didn't he do such a thing? And it's like, yeah, he did. And it's like, well, damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. He uh, w- he was working in um, um, practical effects um, back in the day. You know, he was one of many um, uh, that uh, got to work on Return of the Jedi. Oh, nice! Yeah, and I didn't realize he was his mentor was Cronenberg. Well, <laughs> I guess that explains why he's in the movie, then, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, and he, uh, well, yeah, he, uh, he worked on the fly, and that's, yeah, it's, it's interesting the things that you suddenly pick up and you just actually, it's amazing <laughs> how it, fast IMDb can just suddenly paint a big picture for you. It really is, cause I mean, you know, you'll see movies sometimes and, and they won't be even remotely similar, but then you'll see and be like, oh, that was shot by, by such a body. Wait a minute, he shot this other movie that I like. Huh. And it's just kind of, you know, just odd little coincidences that, you know, are kind of, maybe they're not as coincidental as we think. You know, maybe uh, maybe we have a, something that we like and that's, you know, like sticking with it for us. So I think maybe it ought to be mentioned. I was thinking... Um... From time to time, we ought to mention, uh, especially when it's noteworthy, uh, what's happening in body bags. Oh, yeah, definitely. And this next week is uh, Wokeism <laughs> Be Damned. Oh, I love it. I love it. I mean. So you got gutter balls, right? Yeah, I got gutter balls. I uh, put it up the other night. So, um, you know, yeah, that that movie, man. All, all, all I'll just say is, um, you know, you'll never look at a bowling pin the same way again. <laughs> so never, never that again. Is, that is the uh, final week of January for those yeah. who might be listening and aren't that familiar with uh, body bags on uh, YouTube. But, uh, this, uh, this week as, uh, the end of week, uh, the end of the month week is always a theme week in this one is, uh, well, compliments of you, actually. Oh, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Uh, uh, I've always just wanted to have, like, a week of us just, like, talking about the, like, kind of, well, one, like, the stuff which would never get made nowadays. And the, let's put it this way. 
I, I just want to talk about movies that have balls. Well, we got a few that week dropping. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, well, just go. I'll just go through it real quick. Uh, uh, Jason has uh, Marrowbone right after you. Nice. Uh, then I come in after Jason with Cannibal Holocaust. Ah, the mighty Holocaust. Perfect. Um, and, you know, compliments of the new Grindhouse, uh, my Grindhouse uh, that I just got for Christmas. Um, nice. Which was great. Um, and Joker, um, Sam is doing uh, the new Joker film, which I did not realize, but I was reading an article and uh, the director um, – was uh, in in part at least motivated uh, in an anti woke sort of way. I I, I I believe that. I definitely so that, believe that. That's curious. Um, Sleepaway Camp. Um, oh yeah. I need freaking that one, and then James ends the week with Freaks from 1932. Classic. Um. I mean, this is something I was thinking about like the other night. You know, unfortunately, I didn't say it in my video. I meant to, but I just never got around to it. But I've always kind of reckoned, you know, cinema shouldn't be safe. No. Cinema shouldn't be a safe space. You know, when you when you go see a movie, you, you need to risk being offended. You need to risk being scared. You need to risk being like, you know, just having a great time. You need to risk having a real bad time. It's important. And when you start taking that away from stuff, um, it loses its importantness, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, you know, not everything is uh, sunshine and bunnies, you know? Uh, you know, you just triggered a thought in my head. Um, I'm almost sure, almost positive. I remember Bill Mosley was was doing an interview, or maybe it was one on the one of the extras on. Maybe it was part of um, Thirty Days in Hell, the making of um, um, Devil's Rejects. Yeah, um, thanks. <laughs> uh, I think he he was uh, talking about the um, the hotel room scene. Maybe. Yeah. And was having a really hard time, and uh, and Rob just sort of took him up to the side and just said, you know, uh, among many things, just mentioned, you know, well, you know, art's not safe. Yeah, exactly. And Bill apparently was just like, huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure that motivated him to get his game face on, and and. Um, I'm yeah. sure, and yeah, come up with one of the most uh, uncomfortable scenes ever filmed. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. So, um, anything else before we dive into this? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We got uh, an upcoming, uh, almost little, I want to say almost like a bit of a Lovecraft renaissance going on. We got like this uh, movie, The Old Ones, coming out. You know, um heavy Lovecraft influence there. We got this, uh, this underwater horror movie. Uh, what was that one called? I can't remember. Uh, I sent the trailer Not to the Bob Vice chat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, 
it, it seems like, you know, we got some, uh, got some interesting stuff. Yeah, Gods of the Deep. Looks damn cool. I mean, I love, I love my underwater horror. Absolutely. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, and uh, the old ones, you know, it's low budget, but, uh, you know, Lovecraft, can't go wrong with Lovecraft. No, Lovecraft is never out of style. Nope. <laughs> that could have uh, just thrown in with Wokeism Be Damned as well. Uh, not a very woke writer, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm just looking at this poster for the old ones. That looks pretty sick. It does. It looks like it could be a really solid, you know, little little flick, you know? I mean, uh... Huh. So, looks like we got some good stuff coming up in the, you know, in, like, the, uh, like, aquatic-type horror, I'll say. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the old ones and Gods of the Deep or whatever both sound really solid. Yeah, I was just pulling it up on IMDb real quick. 1930, Sea Captain Russell Mars saw the light, and for 93 years his body was not his own, inhabited by a great old one. He committed unspeakable acts in the name of the uh, the hysteric order of Dagon. Now free, he is in search of a way to go back in time to reverse the horrors wrought upon the world, but the cult has other plans and will stop at nothing to destroy him. Sounds like it could be good. Interesting. Yeah, can't go wrong with some H.P. Lovecraft for sure. Definitely. Although it'd be nice if we, uh, you know, if we could get Richard Stanley back into the mix. Definitely. Um, I I still want to see, you know, the other movies that he had planned. You know, maybe, maybe uh, uh, next to that very unfortunate um, thing that we have had to deal with is. Uh, I still, I still have a hard time just knowing that we we came almost literally inches from having uh, a James Cameron, uh, Guillermo del Toro produced um, or directed, del Toro directed um, uh, the Mountains of Madness that would have had yeah. a Tom Cruise in there um, as the lead protagonist. It would have been something, definitely. Honestly, I in that situation, I would have left Tom Cruise out of it. Uh, simply because I think, you know, for that story, I think you need, like, an unknown actor. A really good unknown actor who can, who you can look at him and you can be like, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's like the, the professor or whatever, you know, where you're not constantly distracted by, oh, there goes Tom Cruise. I don't, I don't know. If anyone could have pulled it off, Del Toro could have. Oh, for sure. For sure. Honestly, I still think um, maybe the miniseries idea is a good idea for Mountains. You yeah, know? that's unfortunate. We haven't heard any traction on that because it's been a little bit now. Yeah, as well, you know, um, James Wan is doing uh, Call of Cthulhu, isn't he? So. Was it James Wan that's doing yeah. that? 
yeah. So maybe, you know, maybe we'll get a little bit of a Lovecraft renaissance going on, and maybe uh, people will jump on the, the bandwagon and get mountains done. I mean, really, out of all of Lovecraft's stories, Mountains is one that could very easily be adapted into a movie. More so than, you know, some of his other tales. Yeah, that one in particular I want to see, I want to see done by uh, Del Toro. Yeah. That's, um, that, that's his dream gig that right there. That's, that's. It'd, it'd be damn good. I mean, honestly, it's like Del Toro. Dude has like a statue of H.P. Lovecraft in his house. Yeah, it's freaking odd. That tells you right there that he's definitely the right person to do it. So I wonder if uh, I wonder if Lovecraft isn't a bit of uh, a sort of kind of maybe not so far away segue into the two films we're talking about tonight. I yeah, I can see it. I mean, you know, it deals with stuff uh from beyond, if you will. So, I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess the be, the best place to start is um what, what what are your I mean, what are your earliest recollections of uh these two films? I, I remember, um, I didn't see it, but I, I remember seeing a standee for Shocker in the movie theaters when I was about like eight years old. It was like, like a, like a huge cardboard standee, you know, of dude in, in the electric chair. I, I just remember thinking, even at the time, damn, that looks cool. You know, and, uh, Eventually, when I saw it, you know, I, I dug it, you know, but it was one of those movies that I, I saw, I'd seen once, and I I didn't need to see again until now, you know? It wasn't one, every now and then, you know, like, you'll get a feeling for a movie, like, oh, I want to watch such a thing, I want to watch such a thing. Never got that with Shocker, but it always was in my mind, like, this is a this is a good movie, you know? And I've never, you know, got around to rewatching it again until now. Um, the horror show was a, a little bit different in that I, I'd seen it. I remembered scenes from it. I have no idea where I'd seen it. I have no clue whether I saw it as the horror show or if I saw it as House 3 or what. But I know I'd seen it. So it was nice to go back and rewatch it. I think yeah. uh, I think I saw the horror show first. Mm. Um, it must. I think I want to say it came out. It was already in the video stores. Um, when Shocker, obviously, that got the bigger theatrical mm. release. Um, both in nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Um but I think I want to say the horror show was was more or less 
I don't want to say it was direct to video, but I, I, I would imagine it was probably a real limited theatrical. Mm-hmm. It is MGM. Um, yeah. Uh, United Artists um, film. So I would imagine at least had a had to have had a limited. Uh, but I remember renting it, and uh, I just got to say, man, that movie as as a kid, mm-hmm. that movie blew me away. Uh, it, it's so fun. Dude, that, the, the practicals in that movie, the, just the electric chair scene alone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mike James is freaking awesome in this freaking movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know who is really better at their moments because, uh, Mitch, uh, Pelegi really, mm. he, he brings it, he brings it too, but, um, well, but, but Brian James, man, and, uh, of course, Lance Hendrickson, you knew him from Aliens. Oh, yeah. Uh, probably more than anything at that time. Um, but I rented it, and I don't know, it was just something about that, uh, that black background of the, of the VHS box yeah. with the, with the silhouette or whatever of, of Max Janke and holding the meat cleaver. Yeah. And I just remember, man, I don't remember the goofy music that opens it up. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember it feeling terribly that long. I just remember, um, you know, this was just more goodness from K&B. Although it was probably, I would imagine, that first video release was probably, it, it, it was probably pretty cut. Um, I would assume so, um, yeah. I have the... um Arrow, the unedited, uh, the European cut. Nice. Uh, and, um, and so, but anyways, I mean, so I was a big renter of that. That was a repeat, um, that was a repeat rent, uh, almost every other weekend probably. I, you know, if I didn't know what else to rent, I grabbed the horror show and threw it on there. And then Shocker came out. Mm-hmm. I'm 19. And I'm in college, first year of college. Mm-hmm. I told you I had a story about this. Yep. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> so I'm dating this girl at college. And I, I knew Shocker had come out. Of course, you know, I'm a West Craven, you know, freak. Oh, yeah. Nightmare and Elm Street. And I saw that when I was, you know, 14. And, um, and I, and I must have just got lit up on the, on the, trailers or TV spots or whatever, the radio spots back then. And uh, so I'm dating this girl in college, and we decide I talk her into going to see Shocker with me. So worst decision imaginable. We, we're hanging out. We're hanging out at my house and decide to drink a little bit. Okay. Probably much more than a little bit, and I can't remember what we were drinking, but it was definitely liquor. <laughs> I don't even know how we got to the stupid movie theater, but I remember <laughs> getting to the movie theater, and I remember settling down. I remember the you know the the Universal logo, you know, getting all excited, you know, and then the music starts to kick in. Oh, and it yeah. probably was shortly right after that, I suddenly opened my eyes and it's like the end credits are rolling. <laughs> oh man. Totally just passed out for the whole movie. Oh dude. 
I I was so I felt I was so ashamed of myself. Mm, yeah. I pa- literally passed out during a Wes Craven film. Ooh, yeah. I, was, I felt so, and she could not understand. Wow, and it's like it was just a movie. No, 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 no. That was that was yeah. That and it's funny because uh, it's funny because that relationship didn't last a whole lot long after that. But <laughs> it's it like she doesn't she doesn't get Wes Craven. Kick her to the curb. So, so I can't even, you know, I don't even remember actually going back to the theater to see it. I, it might have been on video when I when I finally saw. I can't remember, but I just remember that initial experience of of being there for it, and then just you know being passed out for the whole thing. Mm. And uh, that is maybe my most unhappiest Wes Craven memory. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Very sorry I did that, did that man a disservice by, uh, by doing that. But, uh, the movie, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, I'll say this. There was probably a time when both Shocker and the Horror Show were on VHS for rent. Mm. And uh, at that time, my go-to, you know, my go-to rental pick would have been, would have been the Horror Show. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, but I, I <laughs> Like I remember thinking, it seemed like, well, as a kid, it seemed like that movie took itself more serious mm. than what I was seeing. You know what? What I would have, what I saw in Shocker. Well, um, yeah, I, I can see that. And I maybe I just you know well both both are extremely campy. I think in their own way, they are. They are. But they're they're just so they're, you know it's weird you, you I mean you you said earlier I mean they're basically one in the same film but yet they're not yeah uh, essentially mean, it's like you know how how can I put this it's like just trying to think of the right way to phrase this you know what it's like uh, two people explaining the same car crash. One of them, you know, tells it like, you know, like graphically and, you know, like this, this happened and this happened and this happened. And the other one is more telling it in, in an excited way, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it, it's like almost as if like it's two people adapting the same event. But neither of them have the full story. And a really different vibe for each one. Yeah. Um I you know it's funny when I remember you know, here you know here's one of one of the little bits of angst I have about I I do have about not the horror show in particular, but when I when I was renting it on VHS, mm. I had absolutely no idea that this had any any remote connection to either house or house to this. Uh, what was that? The second story or second story? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I had I, all I knew was there was this horror film on the shelf. This beautiful looking VHS box and it promised some pretty, pretty neat stuff. I never thought about house. I never thought about that. And I, I always, and I had always thought that that movie 
somewhere down the road had gotten just tossed into that box set for mm. uh for European European sale. But then I find out apparently that Cunningham had actually produced the first was it the first three or all four? I think all four. Yeah, and so I didn't realize that apparently the horror story was originally conceived as part of these stories involving, you know, whatever's happening in the house. Yeah. But since MG, MGM, United Artists, whatever, is being in the mix for distribution in the United States and they're throwing money at it, they want it to be a little bit more of a standalone, its own its own film. Mm. And so that's probably, that's probably the confusion where I get as a kid renting it. I have no idea this has anything to do. Yeah. And I'm sure I, I'm sure I knew house. Cause I mean, house is kind of a cult classic. I mean, Oh yeah. On, uh, but I would have never, and it's funny. I would have never read about that in Fangoria or ever seen that, um, talked about. So it is, so it was, it still pains me though that my only copy of this is the arrow copy, which is House Three, yeah. the Horsham. And it just ah, that just takes away a lot of the nostalgia I have as a kid renting it. Yeah, I get that. You know, because I never saw. It. But it's weird because the last time I watched it mm-hmm. last night, yep was the first time that I really started to, to kind of sense that house vibe. Yeah. And it was weird. That I mean, that was weird. And I think that's the whole furnace thing. The whole, you know, Max Jenke gets, you know, yeah. the wall pieces is in the furnace in, in, the, in, the, basement <laughs> in the house. And, and, uh, and so it was like, okay, like for the first time I'm starting to reconcile with this idea that, at least, you know, initially conceived this actually was partly, yeah. but but just because of money and the want of it by others to be sort of a more standalone from the first two films, yeah. I just know it as, you know, for what it is. And then, of course, you know, um, you, you know, you get Shocker. Now, I love the first, which is funny, because you talk about the electric chair scenes, mm-hmm. you know, in the horror show, the 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 chair scene is, um, well, I mean, relatively, it's in in the front part of the film. Yeah. But in Chakra, it's almost, it almost feels like it's midway. Yeah. It's like you yeah, get this. Okay, kind of, of is, yeah. Yeah, you get a whole half a story of like, sort of, kind of, you know, um, uh, Horace Pinker in the real. Yeah. And then you have the chair. And, and the wonderful uh, cover by Megadeth. Oh yeah. And uh, and then and then the I I don't know I, I what do you what which half do you think is, is strongest the 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 first leading up to the chair or the or the half after the chair? I, I think the leading up to the chair, honestly. Um, it, it's 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 odd because it. It goes from being a relatively serious toned like slosher flick into, you know, jumping through television stations 
and beating people up on TV. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, it, it, it jumps the shark a bit. It's, it's really weird because, you know, with the horror show, of course, everything revolves around, um, um, Lucas, Lieutenant Lucas, or yeah, um, um, McCarthy, yeah, Lucas, Detective Lucas McCarthy, his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but in uh, Shocker, it really just revolves around um, Berg there, uh, Berg's character, um, P, uh, Jonathan uh, Parker. Yeah, yeah I, I mean. I don't know. That's one thing in Shocker that I found a little bit annoying. It's like when they throw it in that, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, like, Horace Pinker is his father. It's like, really? It's like, you know, yeah, I I, I didn't buy that. I thought it was a a dumb thing. What, What I honestly think is these two movies... If if it could be done, I don't think it could be done, but, like, if you could edit them together in a way, if you could take the first half of Shocker and make it the lead-up to the events of the horror show, that would make so much, like, I don't know, more sense. You know? I, I kind of think they... I think... I, I kind of think... Uh, they, I think they sort of missed the opportunity to, um, I guess, exploit Horace Pinker, his ability, you know, because in the first half of the movie, he's, he, 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 he's a family killer. Yeah. And yet, I, I, how, how fascinating would, would that have been if, we could have got some of that in the second half, but from a, from more of a supernatural, you know. Oh yeah, I mean it's hinted at. You know, it says like, oh, you like, there's been like another killing or whatever, right. but like it's just brought up like in literally one line, and then it's never talked about again. Yeah, and I think they mentioned the fact that uh, it's leaving people uh, clueless because they don't know how what the entry point was. Yeah. See, I mean, how 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 incredibly fascinating that would have got if if you would have at least got a couple, if if the if the focus would have just still been him, it, right? I think you make a good point. Take the whole he, he's his father, yeah. And, Chuck, you know, Chuck father that all that junk, and just make this a continual chase of you know. Of the detective, uh, and even, even, even the kid, I guess, I don't know, you know, after him, as he's killing these other families, which we are now pervy to, but. Yeah. We, we see his, uh, his entry points now. He's coming through, you know, the TVs. He's coming through the, you know, whatever. Yep. Um, it's sort of, yeah, I think for me, the weakest point of this whole, in the whole movie is, is, the whole chase through the park and him jumping from body to body to body and oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It just it just doesn't. It just I don't know. It never. At least is is goofy as it is. At least the horror show feels. I don't know. It feels more like it. It knows what it is. Yeah. 
and so it's going to play it through even if it doesn't quite make sense all the time. Yeah. I think the horror show is definitely the stronger of the two in a way. But here, here's one thing I wish the horror show had done. Uh, what was the killer's name again? Jenky? Ma- yeah. Max Jenky? Max Jenky, yeah. I wish he didn't talk so much. Because the thing is, out of the two killers, I found, you know, um, Horace Pinker to be scarier. He seemed like a more genuine threat than Max Jenke. And I think it's because of the amount of talking that Max Jenke does. You know, where Horace Pinker, he does talk, but it's nowhere near as much. And you don't get a lot for, you don't get a lot on Max either. I, I'm not <laughs> really, but you get him like, you know, like, uh, like all, like screaming like Lucas or whatever, you know? Well, that very, 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 very prolonged dream sequence in the beginning. Yeah. That, it, that just does not See why instead of having this like really terribly long feeling dream sequence, why couldn't we just have the movie open up with, you know, with Max having just committed, uh, you know, a a horrific murder, but Mm -hmm. then this detective finally, you know, you know, Lance, you know, Hendricks is there, finally, you know, catches up with him. And you have the whole, you know, bloody, bloody mess right there, but you have him caught and he, you know, vows his vengeance. I'm going to come after you. And then, of course, you know, we see the whole chair sequence and then, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, yeah, it just, I don't know. It just seems like, you know, maybe, you know, it's weird. It's like they, you know, it's like when they asked him, okay. We want you to be the horror show and not so much of the house movies. Mm-hmm. Never really left the house movies behind. Yeah, that's true. It, if it would, if they just would have just, you know, made really truly made that standalone mm-hmm. and made its own, you know, that own story. You know, we might have got something. I don't know. Might have got something a little bit because it is goofy, man. Just to think about that he just sort of takes up resonance in their furnace. <laughs> I, I love it. I love and, it. But um, I, 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 I don't know. Um, and the, the opening, the opening song, um, golly, I have it written down here somewhere. Um, that, oh, the thing, the thing I've done, the things I've done to our love. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you know, what's so funny. Both of these movies, there, there's a, there's a song in both of these movies that do, that do remind me of Italian cinema. Mm-hmm. This one does, you know, I, I, you know, I think about like Nightmare Beach has some, yeah. you know, kind of cheesy songs, um, which is again, an electric chair, sort of kind of <laughs> movie which you kind of wish it really would have been and not what it ends up being. But mm-hmm. um, but the, the standout song for me in Shocker that reminds me of all things, reminds me of opera. Mm-hmm. 
and um what was the uh what was the from Steel Grave Knights of the Night? Ah, yes. Can you think? Can you think of what song in Shocker reminds me of that? Oh, I said, man, I'm drawing the blank. I don't uh, know why. Yeah, dead on and different breed. Okay, yeah. It's when uh, the chase the chase begins uh, between um, um, between Jonathan and his dad. And, uh, oh yeah. Tackles, uh, tackles the dad. And, yeah, yeah. And Jonathan tears off down the sidewalk, and then, uh, and then, uh, different breed kicks in, and it is heavy metal, man. And it reminds me of opera, man. It's like right there. I'm just like, okay, you got me now. Let's let's do it. But it's not opera. It's not, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as hard as hardcore. Um, but uh, the other one too is uh, the other one in there too that is great is um, uh, and I'll be honest I well it's dangerous toys um, I think it's demon demon bell I um, think so yeah that's the song that's playing when they're jumping through the TV I think and uh, yes chat all the different channels and I had no idea I had no idea that uh, was it Paul Stanley that put together the Dudes of Wrath. Uh, for the uh, for the I, opening shocker, was it? Yeah, it's Kiss, man. That's uh, it's wow. Paul Stanley, it was like a super super group. Huh. Um, just just to be on the on the soundtrack. That's pretty cool, honestly. I mean, you know, it is a, it is a pretty incredible soundtrack. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it's the sort of thing. It's it's not a soundtrack that every movie could could do but it it just works really well what well, kind of reminds you of dar of both uh phenomena and opera in dario's use of heavy metal yeah and let, let's never forget demons either it's all kind of similar to demons that way yeah, it's, it's, you know, not, not, you know, the, uh, the more you, the re- more you really think about these two movies, if you could just, you know, if you, these two movies really do beg a remake in the sense of someone going back and just pulling the best out of both. Yeah. And writing a heck of a story that, you know, that, that just takes the best. Yeah. Um, from these, um, movies, um, Okay, so so here here are some de- here are some really depressing things to think about. Mm-hmm. I, I could not believe this. As I, I, obviously, everyone we all know we lost Wes Craven, right? Yep. Back in back in fifteen, he was what seventy six. Way too young. Yes, um, but I did not realize that both cinematographers for these movies are both gone now. Oh damn! Uh, Jacques was uh, Haitkin, uh, who shot Shocker, um, died in twenty three. He was known. Uh, he had shot things like The Private Eyes, um, mm-hmm. Galaxy of Terror. Oh, nice! Fourth Nightmare on Elm Street one and two, The Hidden. Um, and then the uh, the cinematographer uh, Mac Alberg uh, for the horror show. He died uh, in, in um, 
back in 12. He was 81. Wow. Um, he still, had done, still not, not, you know, super old. Yeah. He shot things like, uh, he was a cinematographer for Hell Knight. Oh. Reanimator. Oh, damn. From Beyond. Oh, yeah. So a lot of good stuff. Prison. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ghost Town. Uh, so we, so we lost him. Here is another really depressing sort of connection. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, uh, two wardens in these movies. Yeah. Um, Lawrence Tierney, of course, in the horror show. Uh, we lost him in 02. And Ernie Live, is it Lively, I think? Uh, we lost him in 21. <laughs> Man. Um, um, Oh, there's there's more. Uh, that kid Scott. Yeah. In the horror show. Yeah. Yeah, we lost him in nineteen. He was <laughs> only he was only fifty. Damn. Um. Um. Hold on, I know there's. I think there's more. Um. Brian James. Mm-hmm. Max Junky. We lost him in ninety nine. He was only 54. <laughs> um, I, I mean, people always go on about, like, the poltergeist curse and everything, but maybe you should be looking at the curse of the horror show in Shocker. Uh, J- James James Isaac lost him in 12. <laughs> the director. He was, uh, he was only 51. Dude. Um, I'm sure I have more. I don't. I don't think I do. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. That's. Isn't that. Isn't that just sad? It really is. I mean. Damn. Um. Of course. Uh. Okay. Here's another. Now. Here on a more positive side. Here's an interesting. What do you think about the? Um, I think these two guys sort of mirror each other in a really weird way. Uh, and on the side of Shocker, you mm-hmm. have, of course, uh, Ted Ramey. Yep. As Pac-Man. But on the horror show side, you have, uh, Tom Bray. Yeah. The guy who's, uh, and those two are, are really similar. They are. They, they really are. I thought that was really weird that those two were cast Almost opposite, uh, except for Ted is like uh, he's like what the the uh, he's in control of the athletic stuff there for the team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this guy's more like a he's like a professor or whatever. But they both have they both sort of carry similar, um, well at least aesthetic. I look. I mean, oh, was that yeah. Tom Bray and. Um, well, he was in things like what Prince of Darkness. Yeah, didn't he come from Simon and Simon? Maybe that TV I, show. I think so. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought that was. Yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting. Um, um, and I don't know. I don't know if you caught it or. Oh well. Okay, don't let me forget that. Here's something. Okay, so in my in my book that tells me uh, I got a book. Sort of like a catalog of um, VHS releases. Mm-hmm. 
So what, like, when you look up the, uh, a, the VHS release of Shocker and the VHS release of the horror show, mm-hmm. it's so hilarious. The, the writer, the writer of the book, uh, on these two accounts in the middle of his review, for Shocker, he says this uh, misguided attempt at creating another Nightmare on Elm Street. And then in the horror show, he says this pathetic ripoff of a Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> oh, man. That, that, that's that, that, that's kind of that, funny. But uh, did you notice when – okay, so when – he, oh, okay, I, the TV montage is on now. Leave it to Beaver. I mean, hmm. when you're, uh, yeah, that's how the whole thing doesn't make sense, but it's no. <laughs> expert and interesting. Um, it, when you're in the, um, Max Jenkins, um, is his, the place where he lived? Yeah. Where, um, uh, Lance and, uh, and, uh, Tom Bray's character meet up. Mm hmm. When uh, I don't know if you noticed or not, but when when um, uh, when uh, Lucas there pulls open that um, that sort of sliding door, yep. Did you notice the articles on the on the doorway or on the, the door? Yeah, yeah. There was like one like about like uh, you know like a abused person or something, if I remember right, and. There was stuff about, you know, Lucas, obviously. Okay, well, there, there's two articles. Mm-hmm. Now, one you can you, one you can sort of read. Okay. If you pause it, I I, I so wish the old days. I, you know, I had a player back in the old days that actually had a uh, zoom and angle. Function. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know why we ever lost that. That that. Ah, I mean, for moments like that. The other article, you you really can't read, mm-hmm. but you can see the title. Okay. And, and when you read the one article, I think that has to do with okay, he apparently killed his parents. Okay. Because apparently his parents got off uh, for um, they were they were had been charged with child abuse, which I assume was him. Yeah, that would and make so, sense. He so he yeah so he he killed his parents in in light of uh, uh, the abuse so he he is a byproduct of of abuse as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was funny is if you if you try to read the one article that actually comes into semi focus, mm-hmm. it almost seems like I don't know it almost seems like whoever wrote the article mm-hmm. got tired of writing the article and just wrote something. <laughs> You go from one paragraph to the other, like, what the what am I reading here? This is not the article. It was like they got bored and they just like that's awesome. I mean I was so mad, man, when I was like I was like I wanted to learn more about like, ooh, this is like this is like a major Easter egg before there's Easter eggs. Um, so I mean, we you, you really get no real explanation, um, you know, at least as far as Max his character goes in the movie, other than what you really see in those 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 two articles up on the yeah, which is weird that he would have pinned them up on his 
course, I, maybe that was just fueling his his hatred of of people. Yeah, all, all like one thing I was always kind of hoping would have come up, you know, or like been in subtext or whatever. Like, had it been like Lucas's character had been like I don't know the cop and like let his parents off the hook or something. That'd been interesting. That, that would have made a bit more sense because I mean I never yeah. really got why he was so obsessed with him. That is interesting. Makes makes you wonder in the whole process of you know going to script and the script you know to film just makes you wonder what got left behind. Yeah, I mean i I wouldn't be surprised if that was. In the original draft, but they just thought, you know, just leave it out. There, there probably was a real conflict of just, just the idea of it being a standalone and it being part of the house movies. Yeah, for sure. And that probably hurt it more than anything. Yeah. I just find it so funny, you know, like, it was made as a house movie, you would have thought they would have had the house in it from the house movies. Like, had it been that like Lucas was living in that house or something, you could have, you could, you could understand how it could be part of it, you know, but there's nothing. Yeah. You know, there's like the DNA of it there and you can kind of see it, but well, it's funny that the camera does focus on their house at times. Yeah. Almost like it would in, you know, in, in some of the scenes in, in, in the house films. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I would have been cool with it if they'd done that, you know? Make it the house from the house films and, you know, that, you know, you wouldn't even have to have, if you didn't call it house three, and just called it the horror show, you would have still been thoroughly enjoyable. But if you called it house three and then you recognize that house, you'd be like, Oh, like it makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. So here's a question. So what do you think? And I think I know what you're going to say. Maybe what do you think is the strongest element overall of shocker? The strongest element of Shocker, honestly, I would give to just uh, Horace Pinker. The character of Horace Pinker is just the strongest part of the entire story. You know, he, he's ju- he just seems like a genuine, like, threat. Everything else is just kind of... Everything else is is done better in the horror show. Except, I found, for Horace Pinker. Yeah, that's interesting. I thought thought you might have just went with the soundtrack. The soundtrack, definitely, but, you know, that's almost like its own beast unto itself, you know? You know, that that is, yeah, okay, so, yeah, you know, I think... um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And it begs the question with um Mitch um Pelegi, um mm. 
did, what, was he a mass murderer before becoming assistant director at the FBI or did <laughs> being assistant director at the FBI make him a mass murderer? <laughs> uh, one led to the other. Either way, you know. <laughs> Dude, I, I, it is so weird. It is so weird, though, that to, to see him in the long stretch as, as Skinner in the X-Files. Yeah, and, and then go back to Shocker and you're like, yeah. <laughs> Oh man! It just shows his dynamics of just yeah. Um, a really I was a solid actor, honestly. Yeah, I was hoping you were going to say the score only, only so that I could juxtapose it with uh, the horror show's strongest element. I think is probably the work by K and B. Oh yeah, I love the effects in the horror show, and I mean, let, let's be honest. Uh, Max Jenkins' electrocution and death is a lot. Worse than uh, Horace Pinker's is. Okay, well, okay, wait. Totally miss that. Say that one time. I said uh, Max Jenkins' electrocution and death is yeah. a lot worse oh, than yeah. Horace like, Pinker's. Oh yeah. Oh you yeah. Know? The goes on that are are freaking awesome. Yeah, I tell you one thing though. I wish that they'd done with the horror show. I wish they'd taken that aspect from Shocker of the, you know, the, like the satanic ritual and everything. Yeah. I mean, because the thing is with with the horror show, it feels to me like they want to play with the supernatural, but they don't want to go all in. You know, like if right. you're if you're gonna play with it, go all in with it. You know, make it make it a thing. You know, like. The idea that he essentially like Im- immunized himself to electricity, right, by electrocuting himself beforehand. <laughs> you know, it's it's a little you know that that's jumping the shark a bit. Honestly, I I I go like I go more with you know satanic ritual. You know, though, don't get me wrong. In Shocker, that that scene is where he's like, uh, like give it to me. He's like, okay, baby. I kind of yeah. doubt like the devil sounds like the okay. First of all, you're on producer. You're on death row. Yeah. Right. You're about to be, you're about to be electrocuted. So you get a TV and do it yourself. So, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> not just that. Not just the TV. Okay. I could understand. You don't want a last meal. You want you want to watch a program. Fine. Whatever. Yeah. But somehow he has jumper cables and everything else in there, and candles. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, that that is. Um, it, 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 yeah. I, I at least like the idea that with Max, that aspect of that thing was at least done in his little dwelling place where he lived. Yeah, and not, um, you know, and and not, you know, trying to somehow pull that off and. Uh, what was the deal with the big lips, anyways? I don't under. Oh yeah, that, that's. Yeah. You got it, baby. <laughs> what? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I don't think the devil sounds like uh, a TV talk show host or whatever. But you know, to Is each their own. I, I, mean, I, did. Well, I, I always I, took it in shocker that everything was like leading up to that, like all the families he was killing and everything was leading up to him attaining this form. You know, the idea of, like, you know, being, like, electricity, essentially. I wish they'd they'd 
done more with that. I wish they'd made it more evident that it, he wasn't just like killing people for fun or whatever. He like like he had like a demonic type agenda behind it. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah, we don't really know know a whole lot about Pinker. No. I mean, we know more about Max Jenke, you know, if you caught the articles hanging up on the wall and stuff, but but um with Horace, the, all you really do know is well, the two biggest things you know was at one point in time, uh there was a family a, a, a sort of family unit with him yeah. and his wife and uh a young uh, Jonathan probably named something, you know, totally different name, but, yeah. um, and then you have the, you know, the rampant abuse that leads up to, uh, Jonathan, um, you know, intervening and, uh, and wounding, you know, uh, his dad, which ultimately gets him put into foster, uh, care. And, uh, it does beg the question what, what happens, you know, to, um, his wife, you know. Well, he, she, yeah, he killed her. Did he kill her? Yeah, he says, like, you know, when he's, like, taunting him, he's like, you know, I killed your mama, then you shot me in the knee or something like that. Yeah, and then so he, then he becomes a TV repairman. Yeah. Which is really kind of creepy, though. When they go into his lair. Oh, yeah. All those TVs were set up and, you know, and, you know, whether it was, you know, scenes out of Vietnam or just, I mean, just all acts of violence. Oh, yeah. Was, um, yeah, so there's, there's some like really creepy elements to Horace that could have been with his access to high, cause I guess that was his main access point was being a TV, you know, repair yeah. guy. Either he got I mean, called. Yeah, take that stuff like take you know like him being a tv repairman take you know the creepiness of his character and everything and move that over onto max janky you'd be you'd be it'd be perfect yeah i heard wes craven made the point apparently he was not happy with the visuals uh, as they were and i guess the guy who i can't remember his name the guy who was doing it though all but pretty much gave up and just yeah. didn't know what to do. He just couldn't. He just, unlike Robotine with Carpenter, he he kind of puts himself in the hospital as a result, but he's able to, you know, pull pull it off. But this guy, for whatever, just could And it begs the question, though, I wonder why, I wonder if it was ever even a thought process with Wes to, you know, reach out to that up-and-coming, uh, newly established K&B that was already making, you know, waves having worked on Evil Dead 2 and, um, uh, he, he should have, it would have made, uh, could you would imagine it can't be, would have done the effects for that movie? Oh, that would have been great. I mean, that movie, you know, Shocker has really one standout effect and that's just, you know, like when, uh, the, the cop is going to give him mouth to mouth. Oh, uh, yeah. And he bites his lip and he pulls it, you know. That's probably the most standout effect. And it's not a really a good effect. It's kind of like cartoony and cheesy. But it's a, it, it sort of works. You know, I tell you one thing I did like in Shocker, though. The fact that, you know, when uh, the guy comes home and his girlfriend's been killed 
And he goes into the room, and it's just completely splattered in blood. Oh, yeah. It reminds me of, you know, the the scene in uh, Friday Part 6, where um, that essentially, like, they go into this one cabin, and it's completely splattered in blood. And, you know, you haven't seen what's gone on, but you just see the aftermath. It's kind of like that. It always reminds me of that. I don't know why. Uh, you just re- you just reminded me of something. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just looking it up, but I'm almost sure. Um, crap. What was it? What was um? Uh, one of the deputies in Shocker, I'm almost positive, was in Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. <laughs> I, I, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it was Pastori. <laughs> oh, he's that's deputy, awesome. Uh, he's Deputy Rick. Um, he's the, the he's wherever deputy. the red dot goes, you bang guy? Yes. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Isn't that funny? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, uh, he survived Jason, but he didn't survive... Uh, he uh, didn't survive Horace Pinker. And you know, and you know, you know who else didn't survive Horace Pinker? Who? Uh, one of our most favorite final girls. Come on now. Are you serious? Uh, Come on now. I'm having a complete brain fart. The victim in the opening montage, uh, uh, crime scene on the news. I'm, I'm just had the Lincoln camp. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, she's credited, buddy. Oh, I never realized that. Yeah, she is the girl uh, being. I'm pretty sure she's the one on the stretcher being pulled out of the house that's shown in the news montage. That's pretty uh, cool. Survived Freddie, but not did not survive Horace Pinker. Man, that's just kind of funny. Yeah, I don't know what's what's uh, you know um, that that or uh, Heather's uh, work in prosthetics. Uh, you know, she she has a few credits on a few movies. Yeah, yeah. Well, Just, of course, her uh, her husband is a effects yeah. guy, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah, it seemed like I thought. I wondered. Yeah, I don't know if there was any really surprise cameos in the horror show. Um. You do have um, uh, you do have Lawrence Tierney though as a warden. He's a pretty big guy. Mm. That was pretty cool that they got they got him to play the warden. Well, I mean, you, you kind of have to get like a good like actor type oh. thing for that type of role, you know. Oh, and you recognize the uh, the deputy in his uh, dream sequence, which actually reflects reality, I guess. His uh, um. Lucas's partner there, um, uh, the black guy there. Yeah. That his arms. Yeah, you know who he was. Uh, who was he? Day of the Dead, man. Uh, really? Yep. He was uh, one of the chopper pilots. Oh. Black guy. Huh. Wow. Small got, world. Got a little bit of Day of the Dead rolling on in there. Can't go wrong with that. 
No, it's, you know, it's, I think, um, it's interesting. Both, um, both of these movies have some really unique, interesting, um, strong, strong things, but just as a whole package can't seem to, it just doesn't. Yeah. It's like, honestly, like if you could pick and, pick parts from each one and put them together, you could make something really, really good, I think. So so here's the thing. Maybe it's time for a remake. Yeah. A, a remake that pays tribute to maybe both. And Yeah. You know, that'd be an interest. I don't know if anyone's ever really done that one before. Sort of pulled off a sort of a... A double remake? You know, uh, you know what you do? This is what you do. You make it like a... You take the whole idea from like um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, where essentially you have the two killers like working together, and then they both get like electrocuted on the same night or whatever, and they both end up, you know, being electro ghouls or whatever. I don't even know what you'd call them. You can't really call them ghosts. Um, was it was it Nightmare? Beach eighty nine two. I think it was. Uh, yeah, it was eighty nine. <laughs> Except that one, that one tried to pull the rug out from under you with you know, um, it really not being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which really just I don't I. I wish they would have just. I, would, I wish they would have just ripped ripped things off and just you know made their own electric chair and come back from the dead sort of yeah killer so you know between shocker and a horror show well yeah i think we already answered that so you would say the best the best chair scene is the horror show definitely definitely i mean i i thought that was nasty and just brutal and like it was just like a it's one of those scenes i I finished watching and and i literally sat and i went damn you know, I, I I watched the shocker scene and I was like, oh, he got up and hid behind the door. Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, he 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 jumps into that girl the minute she touches him, which you're not even supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, which I didn't realize. I didn't stupid me didn't realize until I think I just when I watched it last night. I didn't realize. Um, that uh, Horace uh, jumps into into um, Jonathan's dad when the the yep. second touches the lamp. Yeah, yeah. It's that spark. I I just never. I was thought about that because you know he goes into the outlet and then it's like okay where'd he go and then suddenly his dad is he's in his dad. I'm like how did that happen? I always forget <laughs> that he touched the yeah the yeah. Um, um the lamp. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Shocker's weird. I don't know. There's Shocker's. I find is uh, it's it's a wasted opportunity. You know, I I feel it could have been something great, but it ends up just being something kind of mid. You, th- you think Wes was just trying too hard to make up for what 
could have been with continued work on Nightmare, seeing almost kind of like maybe revisiting that in a, in a. I can I can definitely see that. Yeah, you know I think it was just I don't know like I don't know if there was any studio interference or anything, but I think it was definitely designed to create like a new horror icon. Yeah. But it didn't work. You know. In theory it it could have it could have worked, but it just didn't. Let's so be fun. honest, it's not easy to make a horror icon. Well, it's weird, you know, because its budget was 5 5 million. Mm-hmm. And it ultimately uh, grossed six, 16 and a half worldwide. Yeah, so it, it made bank. You know, it's not like it was a – it's not like it was a, a failure. Well, it's weird that didn't, didn't, didn't get a sequel. Yeah. Uh, all I can think is maybe, um, pe- you know, people just weren't interested. You know, maybe Wes didn't want to come back. Maybe Mitch was like, nah, I'm done. Oh, well, you know. No, I I, I, I have to go back to my day job of running the FBI. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe uh, the greatest success story, though, uh, out of either of these two films, maybe. No, I shouldn't say it like that. That's that's not really right. I was just thinking of Peter Berg, how he went on. He, he went on to be. A director, mm. and he's the one who directed uh, *Lone Survivor* with uh, with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, hey. So he really came into his own. Yeah, he did. That's a damn good movie. <laughs> um. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. I don't know what else. What What else there really is? Um. I don't know. It's. In- interesting movies. Definitely. I mean, uh. Two electric chair. Um, you got what? You got, uh, there was, uh, of course, Nightmare Beach, which sort of is what really isn't, but you got Destroyer. Yeah, you got Destroyer, um, Horror Show, Shocker, I th- Prison, to prison. a point. Uh, yeah. Um,. Well, I mean, obviously you have, uh, well, what's it called? But sort of, you know, um, the Green Mile, but that's just kind of people getting electrocuted, you know? What about the, uh, what about the first power? Was that? First power, uh, I can't remember. Was that, yeah, was that, uh, an electrocution? Might have been. Ah, no, he's in the gas chamber. Ah. Well, there you go. That's the thing, you know, people who were executed and then came back. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess guess we made a pretty good argument that uh, that they're both really, really, if you want, if you want the score, it's or the soundtrack, it's Shocker for sure. If you want the effects, it's the horror show for sure. Yeah. Uh, But you can't lose on either either antagonist. No, no. Uh, yeah. I, I just, I just wish, you know, Max Jenke didn't speak so much. 
And and I have to yeah, I and I have to maybe give Lance Hendrickson the edge over um Michael Murphy. Uh, oh, I I definitely give him the edge over you know yeah. uh you he know was, he was he was really in, into I don't know, Michael Murphy was sort of weird in this movie. I mean yeah, I mean there were a few scenes that were alright, but you know, one last thing I do I do want to say, because it just doesn't it really confuses the crap out of me. So this is a this is a college, right? Uh yeah. Because I don't know, up till now, I've always thought it was a high school. Um, but I could uh, never figure out why it is that he's living off campus, going to high school. Why he's not living with his family? But but I'm almost sure I read or heard somewhere that it, it actually this is a, this is a college. I th- I think it's a college. I mean, it's that's what that's what it seems it seemed like to me. Yeah. You know. We're, we're, uh, and so it's probably it's probably it's probably a community college because it's a small town. Yeah. So it's probably a two year college, which is weird that a two year college would actually have a football team. Maybe they just really like football there. Ah. It's and, so popular in that in that town that you know every every school has to have a football team. I guess I just I just well that's pretty pretty weak <laughs> pretty weak <laughs> for a college for an exposition of college practice that's um, yeah. uh that even weak for high school actually when you're up at that level of major public schools but I did think that was pretty natural though with the way he uh after he got that mild concussion and he sort of just fell over the uh the the tables there oh yeah I have to admit though I I found that part kind of like endearing where he's like talking to girl and he's like uh like like who are you it's like whatever and it's like i'm your girlfriend we've been going out for x amount of years or whatever and it's like you asked me to have your your children and he's like did you <laughs> I, I just found that kind of funny you know just him like well did you have my kids <laughs> yeah you know what's weird about that is you really wouldn't see them joke about you know, like that anymore. Oh no! Not nowadays, hell no. The concussion protocols and all of that. Well, of course, the thing is, right? You know, back back in the eighties and everything, a concussion was something that was kind of funny. Yeah, that's kind if of. If it's in, it was in a movie, you'd play it off for a laugh. Where oh. you know, it's not until recently we've really kind of realized, like you know, it's like no, you're turning people's brains to mush. You know. It's it's quite a genuinely serious thing, but you know. Yeah. No, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Final thoughts, shocker, horror show. Final thoughts for me. Um, see them both because between the two, you get a really good movie. You know, but you just have to use your imagination and pick and choose the scenes from each one. Uh, if you're just in it for like effects or whatever, definitely go with the horror show. And uh, if you want a damn good soundtrack, go for Shocker. Yeah, and if you really want to be uh, old school about it, I would say probably I would prefer just because of nostalgia. I would prefer to have the uh, the uh, horror show on its original VHS. Release, even though it's cut and you lose some of the great practicals by K and B. Um, but on the flip side of that, on that coin, um, 
it's a crime that I don't have uh, the Screen Factory release of Shocker because I'm sure they're pretty good. Um, I'm sure it is as well. I, I, I actually don't think there's much on it. I think it's just the movie in like a trailer or something. Really? I, I don't think there's really many features on it or anything. I don't think. You know, I, I literally have it on like a, a, a DVD that has, uh, the, what was on it? it had Serpent in the Rainbow and Shocker on one disc. Oh, okay, okay. Sufficient to say, um, I actually bought that for Serpent in the Rainbow. <laughs> Cause, um, you know, that's just, you know, how it is. Uh, I'm just gonna take a look here. Uh, Shocker Blu-ray. Well, I, I do have to say on the, uh, Arrow release of, uh, the horse show there, um, there is a nice little, uh, a nice little extra involving K&B. Oh, nice. Yeah, and the effects and stuff. That's, um, and the interviews with Nicotero, um, uh, Berger, I think, I'm pretty sure Kurtzman's in there too, all three. Nice. Okay. Here we go. Shocker Blu-ray Collector's Edition from Scream. Let's take a look if there's any features. Back. Oh, wow. Okay, wow. There's actually quite a lot of features. Audio commentary with Wes Craven. Audio commentary with uh, director of photography, uh, producer, and composer. Uh, all new interviews with act- actor Mitch Pileggi, actress Tammy Cooper, executive producer Shep Gordon, No More Mr. Nice Guy, the music of Shocker, theatrical trailer, TV and radio spots, vintage interviews, still gallery and storyboard gallery. Damn. That's actually kind of loaded. Okay, now you see, that is how you do a collector's edition. Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. You listen to both those commentaries. You're listening to, uh, unfortunately, two guys that aren't with us anymore. Yeah. Damn shame. That's something. All, all those people I listed off that just aren't with us anymore. Yeah, it, it's no, insanity. Oh, yeah. Hold on a sec here. Uh... Uh, how long is um, the horror show in, uh, you know, uh, on your release? Um, well, it's on the back of the box. They're they only they're only giving me one ninety five minutes. Yeah, that's Six, the same I, as. I have two cuts of the film on here. Oh. I have the, um, um, uh, uh, oh yeah, it's the uncut European version or the alternate U.S. theatrical version. Ah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking now at the, the back of the Scream Factory release. And it's uh, just a 95-minute version. And the only special features on that are interviews with Rita Taggart and Kane Hodder 
and the theatrical well, yeah, trailer. You mentioned that he's the stunt guy for Brian. That makes sense. Yeah, I forgot that was one last little little nugget we forgot to mention. Yeah, you can't I go wrong that. with that. Freaking Kane Hodder, man, stepping in for the great for the for the Max Jenky. Yep. <laughs> one day, one day we'll don a hockey mask. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of little interesting, you know, just nuggets uh, in in both of these. There really are. I mean, like I said, if if you could like pick and choose parts from each movie and put them together, I think you could come up with something really solid and you know that would just work. I do love the opening Universal um, logo there at the the beginning. Mm. That music for Shocker kicks in; it's so great. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's it has it has some nice aesthetics that help camouflage a lot of the other stuff that just doesn't work out that well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. that should much more to say than that. I don't no, think. No, that's pretty much it. So yeah, um, I, I guess we'll end it right there. So um, be sure to join us again next time. Uh, our next episode is probably going to be covering the. Is it going to be the? Well, that's that. That's the question. Yeah. We got, we got the one for sure now apparently. And then the other one that was already being planned. Yeah. So essentially, uh, we, we got two shows coming up that we know of. One is going to be uh, the Hostel Trilogy. And uh, Will is going to be joining us for that one. Uh, and the other is going to be an interesting little choice of uh, High Noon and Outland, is it called? Yeah. 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 Essentially, the, the same movie, just in two completely different times. That'll be an interesting one. We'll be interesting. I got High Noon coming. I should have that tomorrow. I'm really curious. I've heard that movie is uh, was quite uh, was quite controversial and did not have very many fans, uh, including John Wayne, when it came out. Yeah. Well, I mean, John Wayne was very always very much, you know, like uh, I know they they wanted him to do a movie where he like shot someone in the back, and he was like, I'm not shooting a man in the back. I'll shoot him in the front. And you know, you gotta you gotta love them for a lot of reasons, but but at the same time, it's like you, you know, I don't know. It's the thing just, with the thing with John Wayne is he's always John Wayne. Yeah, and I guess the thing is, you know, he wasn't actually an actor. You know, John Wayne was a stuntman. That's that's where he started. And then they were like, you know what? You got like that, that look. We'll make you an actor. So, you know, um, I guess, you know, he could only really be himself. Yeah, I wish I, w- I wish he would have um, I wish he would have did that part for uh, 1941. But apparently, he, I don't know, he was not happy with the script at all. Yeah. <laughs> Even in his older age, he was he was, you know, still unmovable. <laughs> but yeah, that that I think that's going to be a really fun because I I love Outland. I just think that is a movie that doesn't get talked near enough. Definitely, well, I I find it funny also though the amount of movies that are 
basically remakes of classic movies that you don't really think, you know? Like, Outland is a remake of High Noon. Um, Mimic 2 is a remake of Rear Window. So is Disturbia, (laughs) you know? Um, You don't really ever think about it, but these are actually remakes of movies. Hell, The Magnificent Seven's a remake of Seven Samurai. You know? It's kind of it's kind of neat. Yeah, it's yeah. There's there's a lot of a lot of that stuff, yeah, and you wouldn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> the The only thing is, in the horror genre, we tend to know it's a remake, and we're like, "Damn it, we don't like that." But you're trying to remake a classic. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was I, I, I like uh, I had no idea. Um. Out of genre, but um, I had no idea, you know, uh, Steve Martin, uh, Father of the Bride was a remake of the 50s film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, yeah, you just could probably spend all day long going down a list of remakes. Definitely. And, uh, Definitely. But I mean, you know, not a genre piece, but I mean, that that was, that was, I mean, I watched it with my wife several times. That is, that is a good I've never seen the I've never seen the original, but I mean Steve Martin is pretty good, so he's Oh yeah. <laughs> too bad he never actually delved into uh the genre a little bit. I wonder how that yeah. could have that, gone. That would, that would have been interesting. It could have been. I mean look look Leslie Nielsen, you know, in Creep Show segment and Ted Danson. Yeah. Freaking awesome. Well hell uh Leslie Nielsen also in prom night. Yeah, I forgot about that. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, so those things do work out, man. If they're sold out to something, man, they always bring that weird, unique sense something oh, yeah? that you don't get sometimes. Well, hell, I'm just gonna say it, Robin Williams. Just just see him in uh, one hour photo, or watch him in. Uh, I need with, to see that because I've never seen him. One hour photo is just creepy. You know, it's not it's not necessarily scary or anything. It's just like. It gets under your skin, you know, and you're just like, Ugh. yeah, it's a interesting, interesting thing when you you get a comedian to essentially go over to the dark side, you know. Yeah, perfect example, perfect example. Um, uh, Woody Harrelson in uh, Natural Born Killers. Oh, I mean, I see there, there is one that at some point down the road, somewhere out there, we'll have to, uh, match that with something and, um, definitely do by itself. It's that, that, yeah, we'll have to do that one at something that, that is nutty, man. That's a great movie. I mean, it really is. I mean, and you know, it takes talent as an actor to ooze threat. You know what I mean? And that's something Woody Harrelson pulls off in, in Natural Born Killers. He feels like a threat every moment he's on screen. And, and that was sort of, wasn't that sort of the beginning of the comeback for Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah. Yeah. Who went on to be Iron Man, and that's reason enough. The best part of Marvel, I think. Uh, 
Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> that was great. That was a great first movie. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, 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 definitely something. I'm I'm definitely uh, very much looking forward to um, the Hostel uh, show. I was, um, you know, I saw you and Will start to talk about, it and I was, I'll be honest, I was, you know, I I, I sort of kind of. Held my breath for a minute. I thought, hmm, I haven't seen part two, haven't seen part three. I think I, I, I think I've only seen the first one maybe once. Mm. But, um, just like, you know, I mean, I, I think, um, I, I think I'm ready for a deep dive on those, at least those first two. We'll see what the third is, but yeah. um, <laughs> a lot of, um, lot of I know there's a lot of stuff in there uh I mean I I do plan on listening to Eli Ross commentary on 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 oh, that yeah. first film for sure just just because of the um uh just the nature of just uh, you know post 9/11 and um you know mm-hmm. a lot of things I know he had on his mind when he made that yeah uh, Ought to be some interesting conversation uh, for sure, as well as, of course, the great pra- all the practical, you know, practicals and effects. And oh yeah, just uh, you know, that might be, you know, what would you say that might be Eli Roth at his best? I, you know what, I, I would say, like, if if you were to take all of his filmography, his three best films, I say, would be Cabin Fever. And Hostel 1 and 2. Okay. You know, um, uh, at least that's what I, what I think, you know, um, is what it is though, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, you know me. I'll, I'll take the deep dive. I will. Oh yeah. I will, I will plunge in way below and <laughs> as much as I can and we'll probably be up talking all night. Um, Probably. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure there's a lot more substantive stuff to talk about with that movie than, you know, the pure uh, popcorn aspect of just uh, the two we talked about tonight. Definitely. <laughs> so I look forward to that, definitely. And don't forget about uh, checking out uh, Wokeism Be uh, Damned Week at Body Bags. Yep. Yeah. It's uh Some good ones on there. And depending on when this goes up, it, the 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 week might be up. If it is, uh, everything will already be there. So just go on in and check it out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So that's it for us. See ya. Out. Farewell and adieu to you, fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu, you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. And so never more shall we see you again. <laughs>